Go Wild is a free social community created for and by hunters. This means that unlike mainstream social media, your trophy pictures won't be censored. They're encouraged. As you spend time on Go Wild, you will earn awesome rewards such as gift cards, free swag, and big discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex. You will even earn $10 just for signing up. Visit DownloadGoWild.com and sign up today. Welcome to the Hunt of War podcast, powered by Sportsman's Empire, where we celebrate the hunting and fishing lifestyle through the utilization and consumption of our wild game. No egos. Fork in hand, beer in the other. No status. A piece of red meat on a hot grill and turn it into a burnt offering. Just catch it, cut it, cook it. This is episode 107, Be Passionate with Rob Chappelle. On this episode of Hunt of War, be ready to get hyped by one very passionate and energetic chef. Rob is a private chef who loves to hunt and fish, preparing and sharing the wild harvest. The guys get deep on some topics, like why taking kids hunting is important, but teaching and training them along the way is vital. Being a blessing with wild meat, finding balance in life, and of course, some kitchen talk involving venison. Get ready to get pumped on this episode of Huntable. Um, they're destroying the four different baits that are flowing through here, destroying them. And you can look out into certain bays, and you could see monster fish jumping, smashing out of the water. Oh my it's, goodness! It's, yeah. So there's bluefish, and then there's bass, and they're they're everywhere. They're in every bay, and they they're on a mission because this. Three day rain cooled everything down. It triggered them there. So I was driving past this one place, just driving past to get home. And I'm just looking out on my right. And I just see normally I'd be, I'd, I'd jump in the water, bro. I could grab them, you know? <laughs> but uh, so I drove past and I'm like, I know you're there and they'll be there for the next three days. So it's pretty cool. Good deal. Now, when a storm comes through like this, is it normally? where fish get active or is it like during the storm everything shuts off they just go deep and try to get away from the surf but being that 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 temp switched it flipped the whole bay this is probably pretty unique or does this happen usually when you get like a nor'easter or a uh, hurricane that comes through no, what happens is when the, when the summer shifts over to fall and it starts getting colder like the water temp is hot you know it's in the 70s or whatever it is and what happens is the fish kind of go deeper and they're hanging and the baits start getting pumping, just pumping into the bays. And then as soon as it gets a touch colder, that triggers the fish to go down south. But speed it up for the last three days. Usually it will start all this full moon on Sunday. So it's like the perfect storm of like an epic, epic, ridiculous fall run. That's awesome. um, and I'm and it's right in the heat. It's right in the middle of the hunting season. So Long Island's a mecca, bro. Like you said, it's like a, <laughs> anyone that lives here that that's a hunter fisher, forget it. They're all dialed in, man. They're ready to go. That's awesome. That's awesome. So yeah, folks, 
I am I'm sitting here tonight with I tell you this dude is so passionate. If you're sitting there, uh, buckle up because folks, we're going to take you on a wild ride. We are talking with Rob Chapone. He is at the handle at Chef Bomb 2020. He's a private chef. He's a hunter, angler. Dude's got a garden. And I tell you, man, this guy is an encourager of the soul. We have been going back and forth this week, kind of talking about what we want to have happen on this episode. And just Rob has been in my ear. I have felt, I've just been so encouraged uh, by getting his phone calls and being able to talk. Rob, thank you so much for giving a lot of this week and then even just being here tonight. Thank you so much for just coming uh, on the show. What what are you currently chasing right now? Is it going to be those bluefish that you're going after? You know, I'll tell you, I I got I, my heart. Like the fish, I have a relationship with them because I love preparing them all different ways. It's all about the true harvest. It's all about the harvest of these fish, you know? And it's so funny. I went right into it. I didn't even say hi and thank you. So hi and thank you, but <laughs> let's get back to the bluefish. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, there's, there's, there's monster fish. I live in Long Island, and anyone that lives here that's a hunter, fisher, you know, angler, um, they know exactly what I'm talking about. You know, it's a perfect storm. The fish are about to explode. They are exploding. All the bays, you could drive past any bay and look out, and you'll see, you know, explosions of, of big fish jumping out, hitting all these baits. So I love striped bass cooking them, but I love smoking bluefish, and I just love catching fish. I only take what I'm going to cook and eat, um, you know, and then I'll uh, – or I'll prepare a whole fish, and then I'll bring it to a family. That I'm like, hey, I got you dinner tonight. Like I say, they – just good people, you know, you bless people. You communicate with the harvest. I mean, I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Whether it's somebody that's making up summer sausage and it brings it to work and it goes right to uh, the lounge table where you share it with everybody or backstrap goes back to the landowner of, hey, you let me just go on and, and shoot this deer, so here's a, here's a prime cut. But then, yeah, anybody that's looking for – a little helping hand. I tell you what, this, the wild harvest is one of those most shared gifts, not only amongst friends and family, but, you know, at least talking about like the olive branch of sharing with somebody who has never experienced that before or is so down their luck that it's like, yeah, I'm, a, I'm willing to try something new because we literally got nothing here. Uh, that's been, that's been sweet. You know, I, on our show, we've we've brought up uh, the pandemic. We brought up 2020 and kind of how things with food went crazy. You couldn't find fresh meat there for a while, uh, yeah. at least in a in a amount that would be uh, able for you to stock up. And people who were close to their food chain, they really shortened their food chain. They had freezers with. With meat in there, they were like, hey, we're willing to share what we've got because we we knew this day was coming. We knew something like this was happening. Yeah. Or this is just how we live, and let us be able to share that. So, no, you hit the nail on the head right there with the wild harvest being one of those amazing gifts that we can share with a lot of people. And, 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 and you know, the, the pandemic and COVID and all the, all the things that happened over the last two years, 
it, it, it caused people to dig into themselves and, you know, brought the worst out in people or the best out in people. And on my end, it was the best thing that ever happened to me in my life and my career and my, um, you know, there was needs and I'm a private chef and I have a team of chefs and I have all these um, great people around me in the service industry. And my clients are very, uh, are very special clients and they love to entertain and they love to, um, you know, they have a lot of properties and they, and there's, there's a lot of needs for a private chef. So I started training a whole team of chefs and deployed them. The clients would call me and I'd send the right chef out to the right family. Um, some some chefs have high capacity. You would send them to a certain family. And then certain chefs, you know, they can get their job done and do like Susie Homemaker kind of food. And, and they're looking for that. So it, tur- it turned everything. But in the midst of that, I got to hunt and fish and put gardens into these clients. And we could get more into that, you know, another time. I mean, it's just so many things but god's given me a gift and and a passion to pursue you know the harvest not only in the sea and and hunting but you know planting gardens and actually taking all these things this bounty and be able to um prepare it for people and communicate my love for people through the food it's awesome Bro, it's awesome. Right now, I'm pacing up and down like a wild animal in my basement. Pacing. <laughs> I'm out of breath. Well, let's stick on that same <laughs> same thing right here. Like, it is so yeah. apparent. Like, food is your passion. Like, this is something that gets you up every day. This is something that you go to work and you you think about food. You think about fueling people. You think about not only Absolutely. dietary needs, but at the same time, like how can food be enjoyable? Where where did this come from, Rob? Is this just something like as a child, were you just like, I am all about food, or was this something that you learned and it's been a lifetime of you crafting your love for fueling people? It's awesome, man. It's an awesome question, and and forget it. As you asked it, my heart blew up. It just blew up, bro. (laughs) So um, when I was young, my grandma, she was the best. I used to love going to my my grandma's house, and she she just had this – it was like this warm place that I remember, and I longed for that warm place, you know? And when I I would go over there, she would always cook and pull me in and – I wasn't so much fascinated with the food. I loved the food. I loved it. But it was the passion and the love she put into it. She imparted that. She imparted that into my heart. And just by being around it, you know, whatever you're around, you, be, you start to become it. You know, we could take that thought forever, you know, but I just started to want to cook and want to serve and want to, you know, when people would come over, I wanted to get involved. And my son has that gift, too. I imparted that to him. Just naturally, he sees it's in me. He wants to serve. He don't want to cook and get messy, but he wants to He wants to bring the food out and explain it and bring drinks. And, you know, so that has been imparted. You know, that was a like a godly impartation, you know, from my grandma to me. And then I started cooking. I was making pizzas at 14. And then 
you know, I was in the, I was always cooking for my friends and always serving my friends. I was that guy, you know, and, you know, I always was that. And, and then I started getting in restaurants and then I, when I, you know, I, you want me to go on the whole journey in my culinary career or you want to take it step by step? Well, I think I saw on there too, that, uh, you served a little time in the military. Were you also in the, the culinary side? Were you having to, to feed troops at that point or, uh, were you, uh, one of the grunts on the ground? Well, I'll tell you, man, I, I really, uh, I was blessed with the scenario that I had because I went in, um, as a 94 Bravo, 95 Bravo, which is, uh, food service specialist. You know, I was the cook of my unit, but I was an MP. I was a part of an MP unit. So I would take care of my whole unit. And, um, you know, it was definitely, uh, you know, it was it was very difficult for me because I'm I'm outside the box. I, I can't have I can't be in the box. I got to get out of here. I don't like <laughs> it in the box, bro. I got to get out of the box. So, you know what? Let me flow in this story, bro. This is the best. So I one time we did this maneuvers in uh, Fort Dix um, and Fort AP Hill. We were bouncing around. We were in Jersey and then we went to we have to do a two week. Uh, training. So we were in Jersey and then we were in uh, Virginia. So we were settling in and uh, I was, you know, I was, I was cooking for my unit and um, you know, the, uh, all the guys knew that I was, you know, fired up. I work in fine dining and they just let me do my thing because they knew they were going to eat great, but you have to follow the index cards. Anyone that's listening that knows about the military, everything's standard. When you get in the army, everyone's hair gets shaved. They take your stuff, and you will be the same as everyone next to you. You've got the same stuff, same thing, you know. So I didn't, I didn't like it, and I went against that one time. And what happened was everybody chipped in money and gave me money. I went to the store and the commissaries brought back herbs and wine and all sorts of stuff, and I started flowing. And we had about 200 people in our unit. So there was like seven other units. But the word started getting around about the food, you know, because everyone loves, you know, to eat when you're training. Because a lot of times you'll miss a meal or you'll miss two days of eating. You'll just eat an MRI, you know, MRI or something. So the numbers went from 200 to 250 to 300. And then the commander came in and he's like, the heck's going on here? Nobody knew. <laughs> and the got around, and then the, this this full bird colonel, I'll never forget it, came in, and he started, you know, heads were rolling, and my captain took, you know, took the hit for me, but he stuck up for me, and but he was right. The colonel was right. Everything has to be the same, and it, it just has to be, or the military will not work. So. Yeah, I took a little beating, but the, it was a, it was kind of a, a real fun story that we always, you know, talk. Uh, some of them guys I haven't talked to in a long time, but you know, it was great, man. The word was getting out, and I was, you know, forget it. I would sneak <laughs> food out. Yeah, I, I I had a cougar. I had a uh, XR7 black cougar, and I'd be zipping around the base, dropping food off to all these guys and all these units, and in return, when they went to the range. They would load me up with weapons, bro, and I'd be shooting 60s into the air just for, like, thousands of rounds, 
you know? They give me a sword. They'd be like, do whatever you want. I just start shooting trees down. Like, it was That's the awesome. best, bro. Yeah, yeah, so. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, I could see how the box would not fit you well. But at the same time, <laughs> like, I bet those dudes talk about that even today. They're like, oh, yeah, we were just throwing money at this uh, this MP. And, dude, he'd come back with just the greatest food I hadn't eaten in two days. And here he yeah. brings me something amazing. Like, what an experience that would have been. Yeah, I, I don't got, even think I looked at an index card. <laughs> I got a couple buddies who, uh, yeah, they were, they were Marines. Um, you had to keep the crayons away from them, but, uh, they're good guys, but at the same time, yeah, they were definitely like, yeah, like head shaven, you know, I, I eat from this box. I eat from this MRE. Like this is all I get. And you know, they, they did enjoy that time. They've, they've now since moved on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. So yeah, you know, it was a breath of fresh air. It taught me how to improvise and how to, uh, you know, every, everything, Everything that you do in life, you know, it's all building blocks to create you and create the character that you are and develop the good things and sometimes even develop the bad things. But, you know, it's awesome, man. I'm blessed to be able to share these stories and be a part of them because they really help me to, you know, have capacity, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um. As I was going through here, where where direction I wanted to take this, I think I think I want to dive yeah. right in. You know, we talked a little bit about your makeup. We talked a little bit about like you got your passions from your elders, your grandparents, or your grandma specifically, and that how even when you said working with your family, like you're exposing your kids to the things that you do, and in fact, like you're kind of you know showing your son the ropes of of serving like the service aspect of it where not only it's is he just explaining what's on the meal but he's bringing that to friends he's bringing that to family um we were talking in fact i think what really got us talking too was that you had a reel on social media you had it on instagram and you were talking about the next generation coming up that we we as the current generation need to be teaching our kids and yeah. I love, I loved where you were going on that is because we're, as, as I'm growing up, I got young, I got young boys. I got three young boys. Uh, my friends all have kids now. And so there's this idea of like, Hey, I want to bring my kid hunting, but there was, it, it didn't go on. There was no direction other than like, Hey, they went and sat with dad in the stand. I mean, quality time. You can't, you can't uh, downgrade that at all. It's it's an amazing thing, and the time that you do share with your kids in those moments, like shoot, kids getting bored, you're sitting there doing nothing, and so like the conversation comes up, and you you have that opening where you can really get to know each other, and you can really get to uh, work, you know, bond together. But at the same time, like if we're gonna teach our kids, it's not just hey we go hunt and then it's end of story, we go home. There's a yeah. lot more that's there. There's a lot of teaching that has to go on, and if we don't take if we don't take that on, shoot, the what we know is going to go away. Yeah, that's right, man. Um, yeah, I got a heart for what you're talking about, and uh, you know, it's all about the generations. Because if you think about it, the kids that we're raising right now. They're going to be raising that generation is going to be raising their children 
you know, and this world is in a tough place, but we're preparing the next, you know, the next um, group that's going to take the mantle from us and maybe make things right. Maybe teach people and teach and, and discipline and train, you know, people about taking care of the land that we have. You know, we, we're supposed to be stewards of this land. You know, I, I mean, I, lo- I love I love the scriptures and I love pressing in and reading about the, you know, the beginning of time. And, I, you know, God said, hey, here's a great earth. Just steward it. And it's up to us to steward it and teach others how to steward it. You know, our kids need to know not just, hey, let's get in a tree stand or let's go fishing. No. How how do you get to that point beforehand? There's so much preparation. It's really all about the preparation. You know, if you're not preparing, if you're not training, you're not practicing. Forget it. You know, you can sit there, bait the hook for them, and okay, oh, you caught a bear. Yeah, okay. But when that kid gets up in the morning and puts his tackle box on his bike and gets his rod and goes to the lake and puts the worm on and hooks into a bass and then calls your dad or, or you know, comes home and shares that with you, that's what it's about. They did it. Now they can share and teach others how to do it. And we could take that context um, with everything, gardening, fishing, hunting, you know, all the things we need to survive. We got to train them. Who's going to train them? The school? Can I train them? <laughs> no, we got so much other stuff that we're training already. The le- next thing we got to add is, you know, how to do life. We were hoping that mom and dad would pick that up, you know. <laughs> yeah. How about this? Put your shoes on. Just put your shoes on, man. How about that? Start with that. Yes. Yeah. Put the shoes on. Put them on the right feet. We're still working on tying. We're still working on the tying thing. That's how old are you kids? Uh we got uh he's eight and I got a five and the last one's four. The five and four are real close together. So yeah, I got a third grader, a kindergarten, and a preschooler. They are they're the best of friends and they're the worst of enemies on any given moment. <laughs> it's amazing. I, yeah. That whole like, you know, my friend is the enemy of my enemy, like it's it's that going on all the time. It's rock paper scissors <laughs> on whoever is going to be on the top at this moment. But you you you're the man. You know why? Because you're doing it. You're fighting a good fight. You're doing it right, and I, I commend you, and I'm, I'm so glad that we're connecting because, hey, we're going to do life together, you know? Even if you live wherever you live and wherever I live, it don't matter. Life, we're sharing, we're helping each other, we're sharpening each other. You know, that's what it's about, right? Exactly, exactly. And, yeah, there's days, too, where I feel like, you know what, I've, I've really done a good job at, uh, at teaching the boys and so you like you ask a couple follow up questions, and it's like you know, nothing, nothing stuck. I threw a ton at the wall, and nothing stuck. Yeah, yeah. And it's one of those yeah. things, like man, it could it could beat you down. It could be one of those. It's un. Yeah. It's not fulfilling right at the moment, but at the same yeah. time, when I when I see them go off, like right now they're building, uh, they're building a fort out and behind the house and we had did the, we did the, one of those during the pandemic and 
It lasted a good while, right up till the first storm, and then it, and it tipped over. <laughs> but at the same yeah. time, they went back out, and they they're now doing it on their own. They're now making their little play fort where they go hang out, and you know they're they're constantly yeah. back there playing. They call it wild people, where they go and they <laughs> they play wild people. They go uh, hide from zombies is what, you know some of their things, or like yeah, they're gonna go chase <laughs> down deer. So they but they have their little hut back there, and so it's just fun to see like even though they're playing with it like. You know they're tying stuff together. They're they're taking. They got one of my old hammers back there. I think that hammer's been used as an axe. It's been used as a hammer. It's been used as a whole number of things back there. And it's like I've I've gone to pick it up a couple times, but I'm like, you know what? It's better. Spe- it's it's time is getting used used out there. Like that's where it needs to stay. Hey man, what you're saying? That's what it's about. That's it. You know, and and you know the friends and the people that we surround ourselves with it's like a village you know i can talk into them blue in the face to kind of teach my son something and then one of my friends could come over and start pouring into his life and you know my son's responding to him i step back and i empower that because he's learning from the village we're a village man you need to have a village you need to have people around you good men around you you know good people good families good you know, couples that can encourage and build and inspire and help. And, you know, um, that's what it's about. It's not just us. We, we we have the burden to raise our children, but there's many hands make the, the, the work light. We need a village, man. We need, we need people to, we need help and we can help theirs. How many times can you, you know, you can talk to your blue in the face and try to help yourself and forget it. We fall in a depression. We go in a downward spiral. But then someone's having hurting, someone's hurting and they call you and they're going through something. Or you're at a store and someone's really having a rough go. You could go in their world, speak truth into their world, lift them up. You can't even do it to yourself. <laughs> yeah. Incredible. Incredible. What a tangent there, pal. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, good. Let's go. That- that was good. I was looking forward to ta- talking about you or talking about that with you because that was that was something that I saw that reel and it it did it really did it picked me up like I did like there's days where shoot all I feel like I do is yell and then there's other days where you know you you see that that fruit start to develop you know it might just be a little a little bud but it's like okay good we're we're picking stuff up whether it be you know a little something I saw my boy the other day just. Uh, he's in he's in kindergarten and he's got a couple uh, friends in there that are um, cognitively impaired. They're part of the CI uh, class, and so they get worked in. And he was working side by side with one of those kids, and it was just it was so cool to see that happen organically. I didn't tell him to go over there. I didn't tell him that he had to hang out with the you know anybody else. He just he took it upon himself to go do it. And so it's it's those little glimpses you get that it's like, all right, we, we are doing something good. Despite the days of me yelling, like, come on, get your shoes on, like put them on the right. Foot. Yeah. Like we're, yeah, we're making you, good people here. You know, and, and sometimes as a father, you know, anyone that hears this, that's, that relates to what we're saying. Sometimes I want to bro. I want to turn green. I'm going to rip my clothes off and I want to, I want to go and smash everything. It's a fleeting thought. And then I'm like, okay, I can't smash everything. I got I to gotta harness that energy and change my tone. It's all about tone when you're talking to your kids. 
it's all about tone. If it's a soft, calm tone and you're speaking kind of in parables and giving them a story or, you know, something that happened the day before and, and, and you can use that, whatever it is. But we're busy and we're crazy. You live, you live in, uh, what town do you live in? I live in Middleville, Michigan. We got, we, we've come up in the world. We got two stoplights now. <laughs> two stoplights. I got, I got, I got ninety on my street. But uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So the reason why I say that, bro, it's nonstop. New York is like, forget it. And I'm a, I'm a true New York, and I always will. Even when one day we, me and my family, we're gonna relocate down south or wherever. I'll come to Michigan. I'll sleep on your couch, right? I'll come over there tonight. We'll go hunting tomorrow. Bring we'll go hunting yes. tomorrow, bro. Yes. <laughs> How long would it take me to drive there? From New York? Ooh, I bet you're looking at a good 12, solid 12 hours. Well, that might even be, I think that's to like Philadelphia is a solid 12. So it might take you 15 to get here. So, yeah, no, it's, that's great. But let me, let me just, let me just stay on that, that point with the tone, you know, like, when you when you speak, it's like it's like if someone come comes at you in the parking lot and puts their hands up, and they and they're aggressive, you're gonna defend yourself. You're gonna put your hands up and you're gonna defend, especially if you're with your kids. It's in us as men, you know, defend to fight to to. Someone's coming at you, you're gonna come back at them, and it's the same with our kids or in relationships, even in business. Always change your tone. Always bring it down. And talk to, you know, look them in the eye. And if you're calm, they're calm. And I, I really felt in my heart to share that. It's a golden nugget that I've been working on. And my wife, she's the best. She has been, you know, speaking to me and speaking to me about that. And it's finally getting in there. Because we're busy, man. I got a lot of projects going on. I got a lot of things happening. And I'm just all you know, you could tell I got I got a lot of energy. You know, I got I got every letter there is. They're like, oh, he has ADHD. Yeah, I got every D, every A. I got all the letters <laughs> times fifty. So I don't want to hear it. And people label these kids with, you know, they got this and they got that and they got no. They're creative. They need to go out. They need to see wild animals. They need to see a caterpillar climbing up, and they'll be fascinated. There's no kid on the earth. That's not fascinated with nature and, and plants. And, you know, they, they're just, it's how you bring them. Hey, you know, if I tell myself, Hey, give me him the garden. Nah, but I'm busy. Okay. Cool. Again, this awesome butterfly. Check this thing out. He comes out. Now I could just spend two hours in the garden with him. No. Yeah. Same with my daughter, same with other kids. So, you know, and if I get off the charts, just pull me back, bro, because I'm an unguided <laughs> missile. I need a guided system, you know? Sounds good. Sounds good. Very good. Um, yeah, getting back into the into the woods. Getting back into, yeah, let's, let's talk yeah. a little more about that harvest. You've been chasing, let, let's get on your, you've been chasing a, a whitetail right now. We were talking about it. You actually sent me a picture of him. Uh, you've nicknamed him Muley. He's got a he's got some <laughs> big old awesome. ears on him. Yeah, yeah. Talk to me about what uh, New York hunting is like over there in Long Island. What's hunting like? Well, what I'll do is I'll I'll just this is fresh. Um, last Friday was uh, was the day before uh, hunting season, and I got it. 
I'm blessed that I got a, you know, a couple of properties. I got one property that I'm doing, um, year management and nuisance, but hunting season starts on Saturday. So it's, it goes back to hunting rules for the uh, hunting season. So Friday, I'm in, you hear me? You there? Yeah. Um, Friday, I uh, was in a tree stand and I set up this pretty awesome scenario knowing that there's, there's uh, deer that are coming from all these different directions and this tree stand kind of oversees. This was to just see what's going on. And it was a scouting mission and I was up there and it was so windy, bro. I gotta, I'm going to send you a video. I had no business for you to this tree stand. I was about to be blown off a hundred times. I I took my I took, I'm even tell you this. I took my rope. I had an extra rope. I always carry an extra rope. I tied myself to the tree, bro. I tied myself to the tree like a like restraints. <laughs> so my torso is on the tree and I'm leaning down so I can peek around and look around. And this buck comes in, man. And he was magnificent and beautiful. And he had this awesome, you know, unique rack. And, and he was just awesome. And he was a beast. And he, I sat there. I sat there and looked. He was 15 yards away for two hours eating. He sniffed me. He knew I was there, but he couldn't see. My stand was like 23 feet in the air. So I was way above. And he had no idea. He would look towards the tree, but he wasn't looking up. So I watched this and I developed this relationship with this deer, man. I tell you, I'm getting choked up, bro. It was so <laughs> beautiful. It was like a gift. And I'm sitting there. But then, then what happens? You know what happens. You start to justify. You start to say, oh, you know what? I could shoot it now. And then it runs off. And then I come, I'm coming back the next day anyway to hunt. I'll come back. Oh, look at that. Yeah. Okay. You're going to do that. You're going to let that weigh on your heart. No, you do the right thing. I try to teach my kids do the right thing, self-control, but I was all messed up with this one. And then I just knew that that wasn't going to happen, but you feel that you yeah. hear that you, you think that, but you know, being, you got to do the right thing always, you know? And so I watched this deer, had a great relationship, the thing, there was a couple of does coming in and then there was one doe coming right towards me. He must've been, she must've been 130 pounds. I mean, she was a monster coming straight at me. And then the buck stands up and chases it all. And I'm watching them to run around all over the place, chasing it like a, like a little kid. And I'm like, come on. And then there was another one coming in and she was like, she was about 40 yards out. She was peeking her head in. And she was coming close because there's a food source. There's a garden that we're trying to protect because they're, they're destroying the garden. They're just so just, Yeah, they're in it all the time, I bet. So she was coming in, and then that, that, that buck was chasing the other doe and kind of, like, scared the crap out of that doe, and then everything was over. I'm like, I'm out. I got out of the tree. I'm like, I'm going to die in this tree anyway. Might as well get out of here because – Bro, it was 22 22 to 25 mile an hour wind, and it was totally the wrong wind to hunt, too. But they didn't smell me, so it was pretty cool. Yeah, your scent was in the county next to you, (laughs) way over there with all that that breeze going on. Holy smokes. So I I tell you, man, we could talk about this all day long. Endless stories. I'm sure you got endless stories, but, you know, it's – 
I can't wait for the next podcast, man. I got, I got, oh man, I got to tell some stories, but let's stay on task. What do we want to talk about, man? Let's talk about food. We want to talk about, yeah, you know. So let's let's take this scenario too. Like, guy's gonna get a guy's gonna get a buck here, or he's gonna get a doe. He's gonna put yep. down some venison, and yep. taking on the role of processing it yourself. That's a huge Absolutely. undertaking. Um, I started in the meat industry uh, at a really un- young age, so like the idea of taking a part of animal taking a part of an animal was it, it was an easy transition for me. I, I mean, it took me a little while uh, to really understand because I was doing poultry at first, and now all of a sudden I got a critter come up, and now it's got four legs and way different, <laughs> no feathers. Yeah. And it's like okay, it's awesome. yeah, we got to yeah, make a transition here. But you know, like I, I trained myself on that. Uh, self-taught in in butchering these animals, but as you find when you when you get into an animal, you get into that carcass, it yeah it shows you where it needs to get taken apart. If you're willing to listen and you're willing to look at it, it's going to tell you where to make the cuts. It's going to tell you where this thing needs to needs to be broken down. That oh, awesome. you're going to get some you're going to get some cuts out of this that. If you do take it to a professional, um, yeah, be it a be it a processor, be it a butcher, like I get it. Time time is tough as far as like given the the circumstance. Maybe it's super hot out, and you got you got a buddy who's in that shop who can take care of you. Yep. Like do it because if you if he can cut it the way you want it, that's great. But what is going to yeah, be man. some of those cuts that you're going to miss out on if you take it to a take it to a butcher? What are some of your favorite underutilized cuts. This is this is awesome, man. You're just talking about that. Um, you get a feedback, or is that me? No, I think we're good. You hear the buzz? Yeah, I'll go. If you don't hear anything, I'll just keep going. Okay. Um, yeah, it's just weird. All right. So um, recently, um, actually, the next day after that story I just told you, my buddy Guy. He got a, uh, I was, uh, the next day I was in the stand, he was, he was in a blind and he got an eight pointer and I said, Hey, you know, I'll take the, I'll take it. I'll butcher it up for him. I'm so thankful for him. He's the man. He's like, there's no one. This guy is like, forget it. He's a ninja, bro. And he got this deer like nothing. And you know, you get an eight pointer and it's like, you don't even, it's like, yeah, whatever. He was just like, ah, like two little kids jumping around like an idiot. You know, but he's there. <laughs> so I took it, put it home, and I wanted to do something really special for him. So I took it, and I, I, I do a lot of interesting things. And eventually on my Instagram, and I'm going to do videos where I can show guys how to cut corners if they don't have enough time. Because it takes a lot of time to do it right. You know, it takes a lot of time to skin it and then, you know, get, break it down and then, you know, process it. If you're making burgers and you're making, you know, jerky and you're doing all these things. Me, I take it to another level. I'll start sous vide in certain areas. Like while I'm breaking the deer down, it's going in the sous vide. I got, I got a casserole going with bolognese. I got, you know, I got all sorts of things happening simultaneously. But I skinned it and I skin it on the floor sometimes. I'll just lay it down. I'll just take the skin down. I'll put my knee on it, pull it back make an incision from the neck all the way to the tail and then put my knee on it, push it down and then flip it. I'll, I'll saws all the uh, joints off of the legs, the first joint. Um, 
and then I'll just take the skin and pull it out. It'll be like a bag. Just pull it right out. Pull the skin, and then I'll butcher. But I think the neck, the neck is one of the most like beautiful, awesome um, cuts. A lot of people just grind it. You know, you bring it to these butchers, you're gonna pay them a hundred dollars or something, and you know, you don't know what you're getting. But I only do word of mouth and, and you know, friends and family. And then now people are, you know, willing to pay all this money to do this. I'll do it if I have time. You know, it takes away from my family time. I don't have time. I'll do it. I'll do it in two hours. I'll do all those things I mentioned in two hours. But that's two hours that takes away from my family, you know? Yeah. But um, to stay on the, the question, the neck. The neck has so many awesome, awesome uses. You could do make brujoles out of them. You could just cut the big piece and make like thin and pound it out and then roll you know make a regular bajol with that and it's it's spectacular you could sous vide the neck um you know i think that you can use the ribs take the ribs cut them just cut them up random with a sawzall cut them up chop them up and start to caramelize them in a pan and you can make the most unbelievable bone broth with those ribs you know or even a base of a, a bolognese sauce so, I mean, we, we really can, you know, we could spend a whole nother podcast talking about all of that, like just cooking deer. You know what I mean? Yeah. In um, fact, I so was going to, I was yeah. going to throw this out to you. So I did it tonight. I've got it going on. In fact, I threw it on my Instagram. So I've, I got my sous vide wand. It's funny that you brought up sous vide because I, I threw my wand and I had to find, I'm actually using uh, an old canning pot. It's. It's almost like a five-gallon bucket sitting on my counter right now. It's the biggest thing that I could find that would actually fit down the cuts that I put in. Um, but I put my favorite cuts in. Um, I'm a big shank lover. I love the shanks uh, for the fact that when you slow cook those things down to the point where they just like fall apart, they're just so velvety good. But a dish specific that I uh, that I end up finding, actually, you know, I wish I would have found it from a guy on the east side. I found it from a guy over on the west coast, but making piposo and doing that garlic and red wine and black pepper on a heavily worked muscle and then just letting that go to town and having all that work. Yeah. I'm trying that in I've I've done it in a in a Dutch oven and it's just absolutely incredible and I wanted to try it into a sous vide this time just to see if I couldn't really make it tender because now it's going to have like 24 to 36 hours that I just got it sitting here cooking. I'm super excited to open up that bag, throw it in the broiler and see if I can't just crisp it up that outside, really uh, bring that caramelization in. Have you ever made Piposo? Do you have any pointers that I should be adding to that? I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> I really don't. What is that? Is that a code name? I don't know what you're talking about. Gotcha. Well, that? I found oh, it. It's called Piposo. Yeah. And it's just, it's yeah. been like, basically, it's like this Tuscan stew that you make. But I've just incorporated it into venison. And it the base of it is red wine, garlic, and they use a, just a crap load of black pepper. And you get that. You get that smoothness from all that heavily worked uh, tissue, but at the same time, like, you really get that, the wine that really opens it up, and then that black pepper. Like, it just hits you. All of a sudden, your nose is running. Your eyes are tearing up. Yeah. It's a different, it's not like, it's not like chilies, 
but it's just that black yeah. pepper that just all of a sudden hits you, and it's just yeah. I love I love that feeling. That's awesome. It's a bolognese. Just call it a bolognese, man. Talking the language, that, I know what you're talking there about. There you go. I call it bolognese. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I hear you, man. That's the way to do it. You know, that's the way. When in the field, accuracy and precision count. That's why we switch our slug guns to rifle barrels, tune our arrows, and use a fish finder on the water. But why should our drive for control end there? The Tappacue line of meat probes gives an instantaneous look at the temperatures of our prized meals, both internal and the cooking chamber. Tappacue uses sturdy hardware made and assembled here in the U.S., along with their user-friendly, sophisticated software that connects to your smart device. Whether it's a traditional corded probe or the new cordless air probes that give you a wealth of freedom where wires would just get in the way. Adding a Tappacue meat probe can significantly help in getting to that medium rare on venison or waterfowl, ensuring your upland bird stays moist, or even charting your long cooks on a smoker. Visit Tappacue.com or find the link in the show notes. And use the code HUNT10, all uppercase, at checkout to save 10%. Adding a probe to your kit can make you one tap away from your kit. I'm going to stay. You know what I'm going to do? Bro, I'm, I'm actually going to sit. I'm sitting right now, and it's very difficult. Just, just give me a minute. <laughs> you know, maybe maybe uh, encourage me. Um, no, what I was saying was we can do a whole podcast on time management with butchering a deer. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, a lot of guys struggle with it. A lot of guys, uh, you know, I see. And listen, I've been doing this forever, and I have a, such a passion. I can, I put, I put a blindfold on and do it. I'm not being egotistical and bit of, no. I have this passion. I want to share with everybody to help cut corners because you know it all comes back to time management. I think we can segue right into this thought as a hunter and a fisherman, and you know all the passions that we have as men, you need to find the balance. I need to find the balance to be able to allot maybe two hours, three hours, or whatever that allotment is, and never go over it. And always honor your family and always honor your time you're going to spend with the kids. Because how many times you've been in a tree stand and it turns into another seven hours? Oh, oh this thing and justification. And it's like, oh, I got to find the deer and I got to do this. And then all of a sudden you start lying and then it's all untrue and you go home and you feel like an idiot. Amen. Amen. So, yeah, I think we could, we could talk about balance and time management and all day long, you know, but I think with butchery, I think, um, you know, just uh, there's a lot of creative things you could do. And just like anything, when we get exposed to things, we, we change our game up. You know, we adapt and we adopt. So it's adapting and adopting new things. Who knows? There's some guys that are stuck in their mold, and that's it. They ain't doing nothing else. They're going to take the back straps out. They're going to stew meat everything. Yep. Yep. But that animal has so much to offer us. So much, man. Like, the beauty of that meat. Like, I, don't get me started on elk. I got an elk story, but I uh, spin your head off. You know, I butchered a whole elk, man. I butchered it. And it was like 700-pound elk shot this bull. Uh, I shot this cow, sorry. It was a female, and I missed, the, I missed the hunting season for, you know, one day. I did this private, very exclusive event, but I brought my bow. And we good? Are we good on time? What do, we, what do you want to hit before I start going crazy? 
No, finish that elk story. That was a good elk story. Okay, good. I, I love that elk story. I didn't tell you the final part. It's so funny. I can't believe I didn't tell you. So I um, so I got blessed to – I did a two-week trip last year to uh, Oregon for a real special event, real special thing going on. Can't really get into details. A lot of these things that I do, confidentiality kind of stuff, which, you know, it, 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 was, uh, it was a trip of a lifetime. So I went there with my bow. I didn't know what I was stepping into. Long story short, um, you know, the owner of the property, you know, awesome guy just said, hey, you want to shoot an elk? It was like 7 o'clock in the morning. And I had all my gear, and it was just sitting there. And I was, I was really tired, and I was kind of sick because I, I've been working, you know, nonstop. He's like, hey, you want to shoot an elk? Bro, I was out of the room in four seconds. I was fully camoed, <laughs> and I ran out there. You saw a smoke screen. They're like, where'd Rob go? And it was smoke. Gone. Where is he? What are we doing? What's happening? I was ready, bro. I had my bow. I had my, I had my, uh, <laughs> I had my release. That's all I needed, the bow and release. And I wasn't even dressed for it. It was, bro, it was like 30 degrees. I was like, you know, I was freezing. The whole time I was freezing. Before I even hunted, I was freezing. Was the best, bro. So I, uh, they said, hey, they're in this field here, and it was this. There's this. There's this group of elk that run through the properties, and they just happen to be there. And uh, there was about 20, 25 of them. So I, I said, I really like to get one of the bow, and they, they totally were against it just because they knew that it wasn't going to happen, and they, the wind was a little off, and I was, I had to low crawl about a hundred yards to get even near them, maybe a forty yard shot. So I said, I'm in, I'm in. I low crawled. I was out of breath. I was shot. By the time I got to this bush, like these, all these bushes and thickets, and I figured, you know, when I come up, they're going to be 30, 40 yards. But I didn't know. As I was low crawling, they were, they were moving because they sensed me. So I got up. Bro, I had that thing drawn back. I didn't know, I didn't know what to expect when I stood up. I stood up ready Rambo mode. And bro, they were like 100 and 120 yards away. <laughs> so it's like, all right, ass, what are you yeah. doing? So then, so then the, 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 I, uh, the, uh, the game guy, he came in and he's like, hey, man, if you want, take this 300 and you could go set up and, and take one down because, you know, we were going to get a, um, we we're going to get a cow and I was going to butcher it and prepare it for the meal, um, for, actually for Thanksgiving um last year so i uh i said yeah i'm in but they started getting crazy and i think there was a worker or there was something happening and they got spooked and he looked at me he's like you got to do it now so bro i put my elbow on his bumper and i pulled i i, I took the two i took the 300 and i had him in a scope and i was just about to have I, I found the biggest cow there was i mean this thing it was a, it was a move it was a horse I looked at it, I got him, I, I pinned him, and I'm ready to shoot. And then all of a sudden, uh, um, bro, a giant bull runs in front of him, and I knew I could not shoot that, and that's just a problem. So I pulled up, but it was such a trigger-sensitive, bro. That thing went off, and then the, the state manager looking at me, he's like, <laughs> get him i'm like i ain't getting up i don't know what the shot hell the sky. Yeah, I, shot, I shot this guy he's like i was like i didn't even think i reloaded i went in i found her i found her i shot i knew i had her and he's like yeah i think you missed man they all scattered i'm like there's no way i missed and then, i'm like there's no way i missed and he's like nah so then we went 
We walked out there, and he was right in the middle of the field, just laid out right on the shoulder. I'll show you pictures, man. It's, well, actually, you saw that picture. I did. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that thing was done, and then I went up to it, and it was still breathing. And he gave me a 9 millimeter. He's like, bro, you got to finish it off. I'm like, I don't want to do that. So I went. I'm like, he's like, you got to do it. I'm like, it's going to die. Uh, and we're sitting there talking over this giant horse, and I'm like, so I went, I'm like, okay. And then I went to, and then he took his last breath as I was ready to shoot. He took his last breath, well, she, and um, then it was awesome. And I just like, held, I, like, I literally went down and held it and just like enjoyed that moment. And it was really special. And then, you know, the whole team of guys took it, you know, skinned it. And then it was in the walking box for a day. And I went down, I butchered the whole thing. Thanksgiving, I made, I made that thing. I, I did the tenderloins with the size of whole beef fillets. Wow. I mean, it was amazing. I did tenderloins. I did, I did the back straps. I did, I did uh, tomahawk chops of the elk. I mean, it was insanity. I sous vide it at 123, pulled it out, seared it, glazed it, slight bro. There's nothing better that I ever cooked game-wise than that. That's awesome. That's awesome. So, hey, just last second. So, next day, the state manager, he's like, hey, um, I found your other shot. He's like, come here, I'll show you. Bro, I shot his truck. <laughs> <laughs> so, he's like, you know what? I've never seen this before. He's like, two shots. You shot a ram and you shot an elk. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> two, two things down. It's <laughs> <laughs> awesome. That's so, great. Yeah. I know we're running out of time, man. I'm I'm still fired up, bro. I'm still That's gonna good. break something. Well, we're house. not done. So we are we are right. at the crescendo of the show right crescendo? here. Rob. I don't even know what that means. What does it mean? Uh, th- we're at the high point right now. This is going to be the two dish breakdown. This is where, Rob, I give you a scenario, I give you a question, and you gotta think it. on I'm the in. fly. Now, I, I, I did throw the questions at you, so you, you had to look at them. But anyway, basically, you got to think on your toes, and I think you're someone who can do that. The first one, it's kind of a softball. It's, uh, it, it's, it's harvest season. It's fall right now. It's autumn. Yep. Uh, don't you dare do anything with pumpkin spice. I'll be so upset if you pull out some <laughs> pumpkin spice thing. But at the same time, no, I want yeah, a yeah. warm venison dish. What? What are you going to serve people? To like, leaves are changing. It's we're getting a little bit of frost. What are you going to serve people to warm people from the inside out? What do you got? I'm I'm, I'm dialed in, man. Listen to this. So the bolognese that I made, I I tasted it this morning before I went out, and bro, it was dialed in, and the texture was awesome. I would make raviolis with them. I'd make raviolis with them, and then I caramelize some like. Uh, butternut squash and i do some like a like a sage cream sauce with that and i serve those raviolis i cook them i put them i I would make a real um a real thin ravioli uh i would i would spread it out and make real thin ravioli and then i probably put like four of them on a dish caramelize those uh, butternut squash but they have a butternut squash here that's white and it's not a butternut squash, but it's like the most awesome squash I ever had. Um, I would use those. I'd use a little sage. I'd use a, a like a like a cream sauce and caramelize those. Um, and I put a touch of car- cardamom in there, 
and I would make a ravioli and serve that, bro. Game over. That's it. Thanks for coming. And I shut the <laughs> I shut the lights off, bro. Get the hell out of here. I'm yeah. going to bed. <laughs> oh, great send off there. I love the ravioli <laughs> mix up, man. That's awesome, bro. Yeah, that's good. Give me another one. Give, Give me another, another one. one on the fly. All right, on Give the fly, me. dude. This is the last one here, Rob. You got to pay your dues now, people. They've heard your elk story. They've heard your passion, and they're like, you know what? Awesome. You're canceled. Yeah. You're done. We're, we're sick of you. We are gonna we're gonna use you to bait the crab pots, but they are <laughs> gracious enough that you get one last meal here on this green earth. They they'll wow. make it up for you, but what is it? What's gonna be your last meal, or at least what you would want to be your last meal? Wow, that's a good one, man. But you know what? Uh, anything? Anything? Anything. It is open. I would I would have to say a deep dish pizza, bro. No question. End of discussion. <laughs> Shut this thing down. See you next week. <laughs> Tell me about this deep dish. What are you putting in it? Yeah, bro. I don't you know you know, I like cooking pe- I like making pizzas in uh cast iron skillets. You know, I make them all different ways, but cast iron skillet, you can really get that crust where you want it. And I would put like meat on there bro every meat there is and all sorts of cheeses like buffalo mozzarella and aged parmesan and just put that in a brick oven and game over you ain't getting any either i don't care that you put me on this podcast you ain't getting any bro you know the whole love story and it's like okay pay everybody about it no that's yeah. mine. I'm dying or leaving or whatever you said. I'm out. You ain't getting nothing. <laughs> that's awesome. Just take it all down with you. That's great. Yeah, it's good, man. But, hey, I can't wait to do this again. I'm just getting going, bro. Good, good. Well, Rob, as we as I'm setting off here, uh, where can my where can my folks find you? Like, now that, now that they're charged up, they want to find more about Rob, where can we find you? And uh, what are some things that you're working on? Well, you know, I'm, I'm developing this whole new uh, concept and it harnesses everything that we do, hunting, the fishing, the uh, gardening, and then bringing it all together at the table. I can't reveal what the brand is, but um, you can just follow what we're doing and it's going to lead up to that at uh, Chef Bomb 2020 on Instagram. And we're really starting to put a team together to get all the information out there. I got a really good camera guys and we're going to start going on some really crazy adventures because we've got some funding coming in and yeah, man, Chef Bomb 2020 right now on Instagram, but eventually we'll have the YouTube channel. We'll have all these things happening just to get it out to everyone because you know, you see what we're doing, man. And you're doing it too. We're going to be partnering doing all sorts of projects. Who knows what the future holds, but I think we'll, you know, maybe do a father and son trip or do a, you know, something and just let people be involved in this, you know? I love it. I love it. People are stoked. Yeah. yeah if they follow along with me, they're going to be stoked to be following along with you. So, yeah, folks, head over uh, at Chef Bomb 2020 on Instagram. Well, hold on just a second, Rob. I'm going to tie up this yeah. bow here and uh, we're yeah. going to send folks on out. Folks. I know you're probably sitting back in your seat saying, holy smokes, what a lot to digest here. What a lot to take in. But it's all gold. It is all truth. It is all what we are excited about, folks. When you get a passion, when you get a fire about the wild harvest, 
everything is at your disposal. And being able to take those stories that you've been able to chase these critters, you've got you got funny parts, you got sad parts, you got all this. It all works together. It creates this amazing story. And so, folks, as you go through the rest of your hunting season, or at least at the beginning of your hunting season, know that this is the first chapter. And that when we get to that those final end parts where we're taking this animal in and we're going to use this to the glory of God and to the glory of this animal, that we be able to tell the best story that we can. But whatever knife that you're going to be using to take that animal apart, make sure that that edge is always sharp.